as I walked and, and thought, and um, I, I, I don't know if you'd call it prayed. That's just honest. You know, every pastor wants to get up here and say, as I prayed this week about what I was going to say. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I know what you think or I think or those people who say that on my podcast think that that looks like. I mean, is there some time where I come out from behind the desk in my office and get on my knees and put my elbows on one of the big puffy chairs that people sit in and think they're in the principal's office and, and, and fold my hands? Is that what that looks like? Is there some time that I come out here on a weekly basis and get on the altar and get on my knees? Is there, what does that look like? I mean, straight up for me, it looks like an ongoing ADHD, squirrel chasing, rabbit chasing conversation while I walk around Lou Carlton in my puffy coat in zero degrees, listening to a podcast, thinking about you guys, thinking about the text and listening to things that might help me deliver better. And if I'm in constant conversation with God during that time, am I not praying? What is that? I, I genuinely don't know what people assume or think that that looks like. I don't know what I think when some of these holy men who preach to the thousands say, I prayed this week. Okay, good. What's that look like? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not in here a lot during the week. It's cold. For serious. But there are days when I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I, 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 God is like, I don't need you in here. Where do you need me? In the sanctuary, grab your coat. And me and my puffy coat come in here alone. And we wander through the pews, praying for the spot some of you are sitting in. I ain't praying for all of you. Mm -mm. But as I was doing whatever it is I was doing in my time with the Lord, all right, he made something very clear to me because what happens most of the time, and I think this is what happens in families. Tell me, parents, if this ever happens to you. You'll be learning something. You'll be talking through something. You'll be working something out, and you know you're supposed to be doing it, but your mind wanders to how to relate that to your daughter, how to relate that to your son, and then your mind wanders to how the conversation's going to go with your daughter or with your son or with your spouse, and then 25 minutes later, you realize that you're not learning anything. You're playing it out in your head. Well, you know what happens to me? I start thinking about you. And I start thinking about the conversation I don't want to have from here. I think about the conversation I want to have right here. And then I'm 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I can't just talk to Isaac. I've got to talk to everyone. Jesus, what would you have me say? And I, you know, you return to that holy moment when you're not holy at all and you know it. Yeah, I just wondered if that was, am I, I'm the only one, I guess. Okay, Jessica's with me. She'll be like, I get it. All right. Whatever was going on while I was walking, what God said to me was this. You always start with the scripture, and we, we do that all the time. But today, all he said was read it. Don't comment on it. Get it out there first. That was clear. Don't let what you were thinking about the Gabbards or what you were thinking about the Turners or what you were thinking about the Powells, don't let any of that get in the way. Just read it. So that's how we're going to start, and then I'm going to break it down. Cool? Cool. Here we go. We're in John chapter 15, very, very well-known passage of Scripture, all right? One word happens 10 times in 11 verses. Just throwing that out there. John 15, 1. No commentary, no Craig and Terry, just Scripture 
Terry. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain, abide in me, and I will remain, abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, abide, in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain, abide, in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If, maybe the biggest word, sorry, commentary. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved you, so have I loved you. Now, abide, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain, abide in my love, just as I have kept my commands, and remain, abide in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. Listen, and your joy may be complete. All right? Now, that was hard for me to do. I wanted to make comments because my brain works like that, but we got through it, and now we're gonna go back and see what we have. Now, listen to me. Were this me speaking to David? Were this me speaking to Eli or to Spencer? All right. Were this me speaking to any of you? You know, Amy, Amy, multiple Amy's in the room. All right. Cecily, were this me speaking to you? This would be a really hard combo, right? This would be like, you're me. This would be like, this is hard. And so here's what I'm going to say. First of all, it's not me speaking. Second of all, I don't care. The reason that I don't care is not because I don't care about you. I don't care that you think it's hard. Do you know why I don't think it's hard? Because these are directly from the mouth of Jesus. This is not something somebody wrote. This is what Jesus said. This is in red letters, all right? Got it? Let's back up to the end of chapter 14. Jesus has taken his disciples through three vigorous years 
of failures and successes, of righteousness and sin, of health and unhealth, of, of, of demons and of angels and spiritual authority, highs, lows, mountains, valleys. They have come to a place where Jesus says, aren't you guys gonna run too? And Peter says, if not you, then who? We have seen and understand your glory. There, there isn't anybody else. And so he gathers them toward the end of this and he walks them into Jerusalem, which is where we are in Luke, which we're about to get back to. This very, this very time frame is where we are in Luke. And he takes them into the upper room and he says multiple times, remain in me, abide in me, stay close to me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In me, in me, in me, in me. And then he says, and the temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. Ah, I'm gonna die. Ah, it's about to get rough. Ah. And he sits down in a room and he says, this is Tackett revised version. He says, I don't think you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. takes the bread, breaks it. This is my body. Huh. Pours the wine out. This is my blood. Sorry, Baptist. Pours the grape juice out. This is my blood. Spilled. Ha! At the end of 14, here's what he says. At the end of 14, here's what he says. Rise and let us go forth. I, I've told you. I've told you again. I've done an illustration to told you. I told you before. I told you during and I told you after. Everything I told you is true. All right, buy it, don't buy it. Let's roll. Got it? That's what just happened. We're rolling into the hard part. He's taking them to the mount. He's about to be arrested. It's going down now. Okay, that's where we are. They go out, down, up down and head up to, to, to the Garden of Gethsemane, up the Mount of Olives, right? And he stops them. And that's when we get this. It's like the storm is a-brewing. The wind is about to blow. Here's how you survive. Storm come. Wind blow. Here's how you get through. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. True's the part there that you need to hear. Okay? We come back to vine over and over again, but you need to hear true. I am the true vine. Oh, you can follow business leaders and find financial success. 
you can follow pastors and find moral success. You can follow worship leaders and find some joy and some peace. You can follow diets and regimens and find physical health and some, uh, you can follow authors and find some wisdom. Jesus never denied that. But he also said things of this world will what? Pass away. He didn't say they were invalid. He didn't say they didn't work. He said when it comes to reality and life that you were created for, my citizenship is in heaven, these things will end. They are, they have no value. I am the true vine. If you're going to be rooted in anything, eventually you will die not because you didn't have it, but because what you're rooted to will become unrooted. I am the true vine. Do you want to root in something that will never be uprooted? Do you want to uh, feed from something that will never run out of water, that will never run out of food, that will never die? Do you want to be attached to eternity? I am the true vine. My father is the, and I thought about this all week. The word is Georgios. And it doesn't stand for gorgeous. It's literally where we get your name. Yes, the mover of earth, the one who handles the soil, okay? He, he which pulls the root from the ground. Farmer. Yes, 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 yes. George, I am the mover of earth. <laughs> Oh, I, I guarantee it. Next time he's up on stage, just got one thing for y'all. My name means earth mover. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's what it is. Here's what he's saying. I am the true vine. But dad, when we're talking about this earth, I'm here to show you the way, all right? Dad is the one that cleans house. Dad is the one that's making the eternal decisions about what stays and what goes. When it comes to the vine and its branches and its fruit, Dad is making the decisions out of his wisdom, out of his mercy, out of his justice, out of his grace, out of his righteousness. And I got a word for you. You can't comprehend the decision-making that he goes through. Because you can't see what he sees. You can't understand what he understands. You haven't been in yesterday. You aren't standing in today and you cannot see tomorrow. He's the gardener because he already was, is, and is to come. And he will do what it takes to bring his will and his glory. I am the vine. Pops is the gardener. And he goes up to the flowers and he sniffs them. And he talks to them and he tells them how pretty they are. And he picks them and he puts the pink ones with the purple ones. And the pink and purple ones with the white ones. And he says, look what I did. Come on. 
you and I both know that's the way you want to see Jesus. You, everybody in this room wants to go, that's it. If I show up for church, I'm going to have money and I'm going to get a hubby and I'm going to have babies. And Jesus is going to say, look how proud of my little family with my little puppy and my white picket fence. No, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He cuts off. <laughs> he cuts off every branch in me. Whoa. I thought he cut off the Satan worshipers. I thought he cut off the non-believers. I thought, I thought he, wait, 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 wait. He cuts off every branch, what? In me. <laughs> that bears no fruit. That word cuts off. Let's get a little Greek going on here. Eri. Eri. To raise up, to lift up, to take away, to remove. All right? That word is used in a couple of other places in the same circumstance. When Lazarus was in the grave, and Jesus couldn't get to Lazarus. The word is used, roll away, remove, take away the stone. Rid yourself of the barrier between me and the one who needs me. Was there another time a stone was rolled away? Removed, taken apart? Why? Not so that Jesus could get out. That's ludicrous. Why is the stone gone? So that we can see in. I will remove that which keeps those who need me from me. What does that? Hypocrisy. What does that? Lukewarm. I don't mess with it. I don't pet it or caress it. I arrive. Cut it off. I think it's funny right here that if the stone stays in place, what happens to the body? By this time, there is a what? Yeah. Stinks. He cuts off Every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that he would be more fruitful. Okay, the word for prune. The word for prune. Kathairo. Kathairo. The emphasis is actually on the end. Kathairo. To prune to cleanse, to cut back, to purge. What he says here is every branch that, bears no, that does bear fruit, he prunes, cuts back, or cleanses so that it will be even more fruitful. Or the verse before it, when you are pruned, you are made clean, all right? I want you to think about it like this. Not like cleaning, all right, the branch or cleaning a couch or cleaning a floor or a counter. Listen to me. When he prunes, he is cleansing, all right? So think about it like this. If you have a tumor, right? 
And let's say you have a tumor um, just outside or on your lung, all right? Now, if that tumor is allowed to grow, it will infect the rest of the body and make everything that it gets to unclean. But that doesn't mean if the doc finds a tumor that your leg is unclean or that the rest of your body is unclean. What happens? If they go in and they remove the tumor, they don't have to go in and make your tummy better. They don't have to go in and make your brain better. They don't have to go in and make your spleen better. No, they remove what is wrong and you are made clean by that. Church, that happens. Sometimes by design, sometimes by mess, but God does remove that which takes away from the body and the body is the church. Craig, you can't say stuff like that. I didn't. But y'all know what purge is, right? Here's where I'm going to stand my ground. So far, we have seen the action of the Georgios, the gardener. And here are his actions. The first work of the father is to remove the fruitless. In California, they are called Sucker shoots. I love it. Sucker shoots, all right? A sucker shoot grows off the vine. Listen, listen. Comes out like a regular shoot, has leaves like a regular shoot, drains the vine of its nutrients like a regular shoot, but produces no fruit. So they are takers and never givers. They are served, but never serve. And God comes in and goes, if I want all of the shoots that are going to produce fruit to have better fruit and more fruit, I've got to cut you suckers. Oh. This is not for you, this is for me. It is because they will never bear fruit. They will grow abundantly, but never produce. If allowed to remain, the shoots will sap the life from the vine and reduce the quality of the fruit it will bear. The first work of the Father, to remove the fruitless. The second work of the Father, to cleanse the branches. That's us. This is the work we want to shout about and amen about, but we don't want to go through. All right? So you're coming out, right? And, and, and you got, oh man, there are people in this room like this. They got all kinds of things going on, man. So, so they have decided they're going to serve on the cleaning ministry and they have decided they're going to serve in the children's ministry and they've decided they're going to serve in the student ministry and they've decided they're going to serve in the hospitality ministry and they've decided they're going to serve on the everything committee for everything that everybody does. And pretty soon they've given 10% here and 10% here and 10% there. And what you have is a lot of itty bitty apples and no fruit that can be eaten. So Jesus comes in and he goes, I'm going to cut this off. 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 I'm going to clean this up. And all of a sudden, instead of 10 apples that are unusable, there are three apples that are immaculate. 
cleansing process sucks. But ask yourself what kind of fruit you want. Fruit that is worthless or fruit that is actually worth something. How does God clean us? Listen to me. This is what the Bible says. Through the word I have spoken unto you. Through the word I have spoken unto you. Jesus cleans you, makes you well through the word. And we at NBC believe that is a twofold manifestation. One, the word of God, the breathed, living and active Bible that is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. We believe that if you will dig into the word, you will find cleansing, find purity, find hope, find growth and bear fruit. We also believe that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word what? was God, Jesus Christ himself by his Holy Spirit sent a counselor to us to begin to pare away, to begin to tear away, to begin to pull away at all that would make us unclean so that we might not just be clean, but we might produce fruit. How do we do it? 10 times in 11 verses, abide not touch base. See, I'm sorry, church, but I feel like that's what 90% of this room is doing. I don't, I, I, I don't care if you're mad at me. Listen to me. 90% of you are touching base. Every week I walk to the sanctuary because that's what I'm supposed to do. Some of first base. Some of you make it to second base. I made it to a small group. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. If I asked how many of you spent time in the word every day, 10 minutes or less every single day that is remaining, who would be able, I don't want you to do it to raise their hands. Craig, why am I not producing fruit? Why is God not making things better? Why am I still in the situation I was in five years ago? Why do I keep repeating the same situation? Because if there is no change, there will never be any change. Insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, I know that I'm supposed to have the word of God. Knowing you're supposed to and doing it is Two different things. If you believe what the Bible says, then God will cleanse you. If you believe what the Bible says, then God will bring fruit in you. You can't bring fruit, God will. If you believe what God says, he uses the word and Jesus to help you get there. You become effective. The work you are seeking to do accomplishes something. What is the evidence that you have a fruitful life according to this passage? The first evidence that you have a fruitful life is the impact of answered prayer. The impact of answered prayer. Do you cry out to God and see results? Not results over, oh, the church prayed for my friend and they got six. Do you cry out for God and see results? Or how many people in this room feel like they have knelt and cried out and begged and pleaded and here we were when we were pleading before and here we are when we're pleading now and here we are when we're pleading now? Stop, stop spinning your wheels on the treadmill, trying to do it on your own and touching base. Dig in to the word. Dig in to the vine. Abide in 
in me. But there's another key that we seem to be missing. Hmm. Abide in me and I in you. Craig, isn't that the same thing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Abiding in him takes work, takes discipline. Him abiding in us, allowing Jesus to stay, takes devotion. And I want you to look at this phrase and I want you to look at it well. Discipline without dependence is barren. I know a ton of people with discipline. I read, I serve, I give, I run, and they are on the treadmill doing all of the Jesus things, but they are saying, look who I am. Look what I can do. Look how fit, look how spiritual, look how holy. And God is saying, I don't know you because you're doing religion, Pharisee, and not relationships. And I know a ton of people who are dependent. God, I show up. I listen to that man preach and yell at me. He says funny things and quotes silly songs. He does things to entertain me and gives me the word. I shall enter the kingdom on his back. Dependence without discipline is foolish. Ton of people in this room with lots of dependence on the religion and the Baptist and the preacher and the songs and no discipline to dig into the word, to find your life in him, to pray in him. Discipline changes the dependent and dependence changes the disciplined. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. I'm in the middle of relearning for the relearned time about discipline. Somebody asked Steve the other day why, why we were doing what we're doing. Why are you doing this hard 75 thing? Tell me about that diet. It's not a diet. It's not a diet. Do you know how many books, let's see, April, May, June. Do you know how many books I read last May, June? No. June, July, and August. How many books I read? Nine. Do you know how many books I read before June of last year? Zero. You know how many books I read from August until four weeks ago? None. You know how many books I've read in the last 28 days? I'm 50 pages from finishing my fourth. Why? Discipline. Well, how do you pull that off? You're working with insurance stuff. You're working another job. You're taking care of all of us. You're pastoring and you're doing hard 75 and trying to clean up a conference. How do you do that? Dependence. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Everybody that asks how I'm doing today, here's me. I'm like a duck on a pond. Gene Hackman, the replacements. Everything up here looks good, but underneath, just trying to get where I'm going. Well, how do you stay afloat? Dependence. That's how God made me. Ask the duck. Listen to me. 
Discipline without dependence is barren. Dependence without discipline is ignorance. It's attendance. It's being a fan and never getting into the game. It takes both. There are disciplined people who aren't dependent and there are dependent people who are not disciplined. So the first evidence of a fruitful life, like we said, is answered prayer. You become effective. The work you are seeking to do accomplishes something. You ask whatever you need and that work will be granted. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, that is what happens. In whatsoever you ask, ask in my name and your joy will be complete. I will answer you. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avail much. Can you be righteous on your own? No. What makes you righteous? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. In Christ, God doesn't see sin. He sees righteousness. Abide in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. The second evidence of a fruitful life is fruitful works. If you are going and living in obedience, you can look around and see not that you are changing to the people around you, but that the people around you are changing. Remember last week, I asked all of you how many people had come to NBC, come to Jesus, or come to the baptismal pool because of you. Question your fruit. Craig, that's just mean. No, it's not. It is not mean at all. You're lazy and I'm calling you on it. You're fruitless, and I'm calling you on it. Well, you suck. No, you're the sucker. Got to somebody. <laughs> the glorious multiplication and the evidence of lives changed is the fruit of the gospel. The third evidence of a fruitful life is joy. Pure, unadulterated joy. I love the people in this room. And when you walk in, I can tell. I can tell when you're actually joyful. Even when you're down, I can tell when it's okay. Even when you're down, I can tell when your joy has been stolen. I just know. I don't know because I'm smart. I don't know because I have some kind of red phone to Jesus. Yes, Craig? No. He looks at me like Urkel. Did I do that? That's just how it is. I'm okay with that because it's who I am. But listen to me. Rarely. Do you see me without joy? And when you do, I'm honest about it. And it doesn't mean that my peace is gone, that my hope is gone. When something bad happens in my life, I'm still okay. This has been some of the hardest four or five weeks ever. And I'm still dancing around. I've got Emmy, Ty, Tay, Jamie. I've got you. I've got me. I woke up this morning. Life is good. I live in the top 1% financially of the entire planet. I will not whine, I will not complain, and I will not walk with you as you do. Craig, you won't walk with me? Oh, I'll walk with you, but I'm gonna yank you back out of your misery. Because I ain't wallering in the mud with you, I'll bring you out of the mud into the playland. Yay. But that's the way some people are. 
I want to be on the playland. I just don't want to climb the ladder. I want to go down the slide. I just want somebody to carry me up there. I want what you have, but I'm not willing to do what you're doing. You want to read four books? You want to lose right at 11 pounds in 28 days? You want to feel better about your life? You want to feel better about your sermons? You want to feel better about your leadership? Do what I do. Can you say that? I mean, I can't say that most of the time. I don't want y'all living like me, but man, there are some times when I can go, don't do as I say, do as I do. I would. I'd give anything if the entire congregation were reading like me right now, eating like me right now, serving like me right now, and tithing like me right now. I'd give anything if that were the case. Not because I'm good, because I'm dependent. You know full well I can't do this. Every one of you knows it. Why you picked me is beyond me. Lasting and withstanding joy, hope, peace, and love. How do I get it? Abide. Remain. Connect. Think about it like this. If there's a balloon... Okay, and that balloon is tied to nothing and the storm comes. What happens to the balloon? That balloon is no more, right? But you know those little uh, ribbony strings that they tie helium balloons to at the store? What if we find a really strong branch and we tie it to the branch? Leave about this much space and then the hurricane comes. Is the balloon going to blow away? No, but what is going to happen? Does anybody ever feel like when the storm comes, they get beaten to a pulp? How about this? You're attached to the vine, but you're not getting any stronger. What happens if we take that balloon and we tie it to a very thin branch? It's going to move but it's not going to get beat. What if we tie it to a thicker branch? It's going to flap around a little, but it's not going to bang on everything. What if it becomes a part of the tree and turns stronger, thicker, heavier? What happens now? The storm doesn't move it. Are you tied at all? Are you tied but getting beaten around? Is your limb thin? Are you rooted? Are you dependent but not disciplined? Are you disciplined but not dependent? I can't answer those questions for you. Here's what I can tell you. I am the vine. There is nothing, nothing that you need that doesn't flow through me and can flow to you. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 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 So we abide. Let's pray.
Father, teach us to abide. Teach us to remain. Teach us to be in you. Press us to be disciplined enough and dependent enough to stay in you and invite you to stay in us, not put you in a box when there's something else we want to do. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Father, teach us that and bring to us these words. We can ask whatever we wish and it will be done. We bear fruit and show ourselves as your disciples. We recognize your love and we keep your commands and our joy is complete. These things we pray in Jesus' name and amen.